have life in Christ? Would you turn to someone and give them your best answer? What does it mean to have life in Christ? Life in Christ. Life. Paul the Apostle said, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Okay? Weren't you alive? And weren't those people, wasn't Paul the Apostle alive before uh, he became a follower of Christ? Yes, he was. So give me some answers. What does it mean to live in Christ? Anybody? To walk in the Spirit? Good answer. What else? Joy as a result of life in Christ. What else? Huh? So lay down your rights and who you are so that Christ can live through you. Okay? Anybody else? Good answer. Trust him in every area. Okay? To be grounded. Okay? Grounded and rooted. Yeah. All right. Um, there's a word that um, I want to share with you over the next couple of weeks, Lord willing, and that word is uh, uh, Zoe. Zoe is really uh, what it is. Zoe. Zoe. And Zoe or Zoe, it's 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 spelled Z-O-E, but it's Zoe. Zoe. Zoe has to do with life, and we get our word zoology from that Greek word Zoe. Um, the state of one who is possessed of vitality or is animate. Um, life real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed in the portion even in this world of those who put their trust in Christ, but after the resurrection to be consummated by, uh, by new among them uh, a more perfect body that will last forever. So it's to be... In Christ means to be dynamically united with him. See, before you became a follower, before you repented of your sin, you turned from your sin and you confessed, which last Sunday we saw that confession means to believe what God believes about your sin. And when you believe that and you ask him to forgive you for your sins, then you go from death to Life, not physical death, spiritual death, which that is the condition of those outside of Christ. They are spiritually dead and they're living in darkness. That is in a spiritual sense. And then you come to Christ, you come alive, you have life, spiritual life, and you now live in the light. And so Zoe or Zo uh, Zoe is a principle it's life in the absolute sense. It's life as God has it for you. And it is, in fact, the life of God, that which the Father has within himself. It says in John 5, 26, the Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. So the, the life 
of God, the, the, uh, and it's not just the existence of God, it's life, his life was manifested or granted to the Son. And it says in number two, that which, and the Son manifested in the world. First John 1, 2, we read that Sunday again. It says, this one who is life itself was revealed to us. We have seen him, and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal what? What does it say? Life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. And so God the Father has this life within him. That life was manifested or revealed in the Son, Jesus. Um, and then it says, in age from this life, man has become alienated as a result of the fall. Now, Ephesians 17, 18, this is our past tense. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the what? Say it from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. That is a perfect example of someone outside of Christ. They may not necessarily be a God hater, but their minds are darkened to the light and they wander from the life of God. They've closed their minds and they're hardened their hearts uh, against him. Um, I will tell you this, that. That is a condition spiritually of anyone outside of Jesus because Jesus is the life. And if you live outside of him, you live in darkness. And when the time comes, and it will come, 10 people out of 10 people will die, right? I mean, unless the rapture happens, I know, I get it. But for uh, all, all intents and purposes, everyone one day will die. And we don't know when that time is. But I assure you that when that time comes, there are only two things that matter, faith and family. I believe, that's my own personal belief, faith and family. Not just faith in anything, well, you got to have faith. Faith in what? There's a word that you see all around town, it's believe. But it never tell you what to believe in. And some would say, as long as you believe, that's all that matters, as long as you believe in what you believe in, and you believe it wholeheartedly as if sincerity makes someone right. Okay? And history tells us there are a lot of sincere people that are wrong. Hey, there's a lot of sincere people that are, that are being really, really bad people in the Middle East right now. And not just there. Okay? I'm not talking about a people group. I'm talking about a group within the, that people group. All right? They're very sincere. So be, and they believe with all of their heart. So it's not just belief but it's belief in Christ, all right? So man is alienated from the life of God and the life-giving Son, Jesus, as a result of that. It says, and I, of this life, men become partakers through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. John 3.15 says, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life, okay? Everyone, whosoever. There's a there's a there's a, a group of young people that go all over the nation. They're called the whosoever's and, and they and they preach the gospel in the highways and the by they go to places. Nobody else wants to go. They reach the hardest of the hard, you know, like you know, the kids that are all on the fringe and not just kids, but young people. And there's some pretty, pretty amazing people that are part of that group. 
that, that, that traveled. Uh, one of them was a former, uh, well, still, they don't do much now, but uh, lead singer for the group P.O.D. Uh, Brian, uh, another one that travels with him is Brian Head Welch, who was, uh, I think he was a, uh, uh, I don't know if he was a bass player for the, the group Korn, uh, which is not your average uh, average uh, Christian band for sure, but he got radically saved. You know, now they go all over. If you know the name Raul Reese, uh, Calvary Chapel, Diamond Bar, Raul Reese, his son is a part of that group who was a wayward child, and he came back to the Lord. So now they just go all over the place telling people, you know, whosoever, okay, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.36 says, and he who believes in, this is the Amplified Bible, uh, because you have to believe in Jesus, and it, the definition of belief is has faith in, clings to, and relies on. So he who believes in, has faith in, and clings to and relies on the Son, has or now possesses eternal life. And that's an important thing to know. Notice in the Amplified Bible it says, the one who clings to Jesus has that life when? Right now. Right now. Right now. But whoever disobeys is unbelieving toward, refuses to trust in, disregards, is not subject to the sum, will never see or experience life. Now, there are a lot of people who are not followers of Jesus who on the outside seem to have a pretty abundant life. Maybe they're financially successful. Maybe their health are, are, is together. Maybe their marriage is good. And, and maybe their children seem to be in order. And, and we look at them and we say, hey, look, those people aren't followers of Jesus, and their life seems fine. But see, that's not life that Christ is talking about. He's talking about something beyond just a good life. He's talking about a spiritual life or a fullness of life that can only come from, as it resonates from God the Father, is lived out through and manifested through Jesus, and then we receive that when we come to him. That life. See, it's like love has its limits because I don't know that if you, if you don't really understand the sacrifice that Jesus made for you at Calvary, there's a limit to love. Uh, uh, many people, not all, many people love with conditions, and they will love up to an extent. They say something like this, you meet me at the 50-yard line, I'll meet you at the 50-yard line. You know, I'm so glad Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't tell me, meet me halfway, because he went the whole way. A and he rescued me and brought me to himself. Okay? And so, Zoe, life. Uh, Jesus becomes the author of... Of all, uh, to all such as trust in him, Acts 3.15. It says, to put, uh, you put to death the prince of peace, the one whom God raised from the dead. And he goes, in fact, we are witnesses. He is the prince of peace, or rather the prince of life. So he's the author of that life, the author and perfecter. Uh, who is therefore said to be the life of the believer. And so this is a key verse on the back side of your paper, Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. The life of the believer is Jesus. Here's an example of what I mean. So, so a buddy of mine just recently, I, I know that, in, 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 I mean, like years ago, he said to me, he said, man, I, man, I you know what? I'm, I, I'd like to be like a full-on Christian. He said, but I, I just, 
I just, I'm really struggling. I have so many questions. And I said, hey, no problem. I said, we need to get together and spend some time and just talk. And, and, he, and he said, you know what? I'd like that. And I said, okay. Well, one thing led to another. Life happens, and we never met up, right? And so just recently, like yesterday, I saw him again. And we were just talking, and he said, oh, man. He goes, you know what, man? I try so hard. I try so hard to, to be a better Christian. Man, I try. He goes to church. His wife's pretty fired up for the Lord, you know, and he goes to a pretty charismatic church, and so he's getting the word, and, and, and maybe he doesn't quite get some of it, but he's, he's in it, and, and now he's born again, but he's like, man, I just, I just try so hard. I, try. I said, stop trying. Stop trying so hard because your best efforts will not get it done. Okay, stop trying. Instead, let the life of Christ live through you. So instead of thinking, man, I have to do this, I have to be strong, I have to read more, I have to pray more, I have to give more, I have to do more. Okay, that's all external. Rather than that, say, Christ, live through me. And by your life, I'll pray more. By your life, I'll give more. By your life, by Christ in me, the hope of glory, this life that that, that is birthed out of God the Father that was manifested in Jesus Christ, let that life live through me. And if I am conscious of the life of Christ living through me, then I will do all those other things. And it won't be as difficult as me trying to do it on my own because Jesus, and this is what I explained to my friend, I said, you know, I'm, I'm pruning my vines, my grape, grapes, you know, grow, grow like crazy. In the, in the, it's amazing how grapes grow in this city. I mean, like, like you, you can't kill grapes. If you if you kill grapevines, talk to me because I don't. They grow like crazy, and so. But I'm um. You got to trim them, right? You have to, you have to, you have to trim those bad boys because they grow all over the place. And when they and you want them to go dormant, and when you trim them, they come back bigger and stronger with better fruit. They have to be pruned. And I said to him, I said, you know, my grape vines have no problem producing grapes. They don't strain. They don't stress. They just produce grapes. Man, man, I have more grapes. I don't know what to do. I love it. Kids eat grapes like crazy. It's awesome, right? But, but as long as that branch, is, uh, the vine is attached to the branch, it will produce. And because the life of the fruit comes through the branch. And the life, the zoe of the Christian comes through the vine or the branch, Jesus. Christ in me. Christ living through me. When we pile all these things on ourselves and we try to do them ourselves, it gets hard. It gets difficult because we rely on ourselves to do it. So uh, he becomes the life of the believer. Here's the scripture. Colossians 3, 4 says, and when Christ, who is your, that's it, see, Christ, who is your life, is revealed the whole world, uh, uh, to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Christ is my life. Okay. And not only is Christ my life, but the life that Christ gives, he maintains in me as well. See, he replenishes that life. It says in John 6, 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of water. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. He's not speaking physically, but he's speaking of a spiritual hunger. 
because there is not a life of God resonating through me, then I will always be hungry. Okay? He says, so, so I will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Verse 63, same chapter says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes what? what I'm sorry, what does it say? Nothing. Human effort. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Okay? John 5, 24, eternal life is the present actual possession of a believer because of his relationship with Jesus. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God uh, who sent me have eternal life here and now. Another translation says, he who has the Son has life. Right now. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. Okay? So speaking of the present, life, the life of Christ living through me, and speaking of the future that will come as well. Eternal life is the present actual possession of the believer because of this relationship with Christ. Um, John 5, 24 says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned. I just read that, didn't I? Anyway, but they will already pass from death to life. I wanted to repeat that for emphasis sake. That's why. All right, 1 John 3, 14 says, if we love our Christian brothers and sisters, um, it proves that we have passed from death to life, but a person who has no love is still dead. Um, this life that we're talking about will one day extend its domain to the sphere of the body uh, is assur assured, by, assured by the resurrection of Christ. So, so this resurrection, this future life, the fullness of life, when we see Jesus face to face, if you want a surety of that, look at the resurrection of Jesus. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 4, While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but, it is not what we, uh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Okay. 2 Timothy 1.10 says, and now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. So in the Bible, death and sin are linked together and life and holiness are, are, are uh, those two uh, items, are, uh, four items are contrasted. Death and sin and then life and holiness. Because if I have the life of Christ living through me, then my desire will be to live a holy life. And by him living through me, by his power, not my own strength, but by his strength, I can live that holy life. By his strength, I can live that, that righteous life. And so uh, we're going to look at a couple of examples uh, over the next couple of weeks. And so we'll look at a, just a couple this, uh, this evening. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. And it, it, sorry, I didn't make copies of that for you, but if you have your Bible, your smartphone, go to your favorite Bible app, Blue Letter Bible or uh, uh, Bible Gateway. That's another good one. 
Some of you old school, you actually brought your Bibles with you. That's always good, too. That's what I prefer, actually. I actually prefer just to have it in my hand because I can look at other things and cross-reference. Matthew seven, thirteen says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to what? To life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. What is that telling you? What is that telling you? What is that saying? Go ahead. Tell me what you think. What is that saying? Jesus speaking says you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the highway, the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it in comparison. Huh? You don't find Jesus, you don't find the path. Yeah, okay. know when you live in a city that has crowded freeways depending on what side of the freeway you're on it makes a huge difference right uh, I, I, one of the good things about living in Las Vegas is when everybody who came here and spent all that money on the weekend is going back to California I'm on my way back here and I look on the other side and I go yeah they crawling back to back to this uh, 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 Southern California it's a crowded road and that there are many, many that are on it, right? Why is it like that? Why is it that the road to hell is so crowded? There's so many people on it in contrast to the road to heaven. It's narrow. You see the difference between a broad road and a narrow road. The road to heaven is a difficult road. Not in that it's hard to find because it's narrow, but it's a difficult path. Why? Because it cuts the gra- it cuts against everything you want. It cuts against your desires. It cuts against your pride and your ego, and it goes the opposite direction of what your flesh wants to do. So it's a narrow road. It's a difficult road. It's a narrow gate. And there are few who find it by contrast, by comparison. So what are some of the things that keep people from that life? What are some of the things that keep people from life, true life? There's a list of things, isn't there? They bought into religiosity that says you have to do this and not do that, and that's all that it is. And they, and they, fe- they see that as not having fun. You know, 
everybody else is doing this, and I want to do it too. There's a contrast between the flesh and the spirit, right? Okay. So look at what Jesus had to say about, about, about sin that keeps us from the narrow road. Uh, he's using um, hyperbole. It's emphasis. This is not literal. Okay? But this is the degree. He wants to get the attention, our attention, when he says this. And so he says in Matthew 18, 8, so, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both your hands and your feet. Okay, that's serious. And that's speaking to the seriousness of sin. Not literally. But he says, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Where it's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the fire of hell. So in the physical realm, of course we want two eyes. Of course we want our hands and our feet. But the Lord says, listen, there's something more important than that, and that is that you enter into eternal life. And if the, the things are keeping you back from entering into life, cut them off. Because you're better off entering into eternal life without those things that are holding you back than not entering into eternal life with them. And that tells me that if we want to live the Zoe life of Christ, there are times we have to cut things off. There are times we have to remove things from us because those things will hold us back. They may keep us from heaven. Or, as people of God, they may keep us from the Zoe life that he wants us to live. Someone could say, sister, that is holding you back. Brother, that's a stumbling block in your life. You need to deal with that by God's grace through his power and remove that from your life. I can't do it on my own. That's a good place to be. Now we say, God, you do it. And I'm going to surrender to you, your will, every day, every moment. Okay, here's another example, Luke chapter 18, verse 18. Things that keep you from Zoe. It says, once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered, verse 19, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Now, wasn't Jesus good? Did Jesus ever sin in word or thought or deed? Never. Not one time. If Jesus ever sinned, he can't be our Savior because the, the sacrifice for God has to be spotless, pure, sinless. So Jesus was good, but he was trying to get this young man to understand what it means to be good and what it means to have relationship versus just believing that you've done everything right. Because no one can do everything right, all right? Because he says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Verse 20, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. 
You must not uh, testify falsely. Honor your mother and father. Okay, those five commandments all have to do with dealing with other people, which is kind of interesting that Jesus picked those ones. And so he's, he's trying to get to a point because the man says in verse 21, I have obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Okay, all of them, all the time, he was probably a good kid, but nobody can obey all the commandments all the time. And so he's believing that by doing all of these things, which he probably has a little bit higher value of himself than he really is, that he believes that he, he's good then. I mean, how many people, I mean, would believe today, listen, I am basically a good person, and I believe that if there is a God in heaven, that he would accept me because I'm good. Nowhere in the Bible does it say be good and have life. Just be good. Just do the right thing because we don't always do the right thing. We make mistakes, and some of them are accidental. Some we step right into willingly. And so, you know, I'm not saying this was a bad guy, but I'm saying that he has a little bit higher value of himself than he really is, and we as humans tend to do that. We tend to think we're not that bad until we compare ourselves to God. And we go, okay, i got a long way to go. All right, so he picks on those, and he says, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Verse 22, when Jesus heard this answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. One thing, fella, young fella, oh, man. Don't you hate it when the Lord says to you, you know, we have one thing, one, just one, not ten, not, not five things, not ten things, just one thing. You go, oh, man, oh, no, because you already know what it is. It's that one thing. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, hey, kid, nobody can keep all the commandments their whole life. He doesn't even bother, right? He doesn't say, you sure? You always honor your mother? Everything? Oh, oh, uh-huh, yeah. No, no, no. He, 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 he just says, no, there's one thing. Just one. One thing you haven't done. I wonder if this guy went, well, how do you know? <laughs> you know? Or he went, really? One thing? And this is what he says. Sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. What is Jesus asking him? What's he asking him to do? He only said one thing. But it was everything. Just, 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 just sell all your possessions. And keep the money. And come follow me. No. Give it away. It's one thing to sell all your possessions. It's a whole other thing to give all the money away. I mean, you're basically selling everything and then giving away the, pro the proceeds. Then he says you'll have treasure in heaven, which is really what this young man is all, about, all he's after. He, he wants treasure in heaven. He wants eternal life. Isn't that treasure? But Jesus is trying to change his, pers pers his perspective on what true treasure really is. And so he says, sell all your possessions. Give the money away to the poor. Then you'll have treasures in heaven. He doesn't leave it at that. He doesn't, he doesn't say, then go your way. He says, no, 
come and follow me. Oh, this man is being called into discipleship. Remember when Jesus was on the lake and the disciples had been fishing all night? And he said, launch out into the deep, cast your net on the other side. Peter was like, commander, we've been fishing all night, haven't caught anything, but at your bidding, we'll do it. What did he do? He let down his nets, and the nets began to break, and the boat began to sink. There were so many fish in the nets. And what did Jesus say? Come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. What did they do? Dropped the nets and left it all, left it all. Th that was... And they were set for life with that catch. But they left it all to follow him. That's what this young man's being called into. Okay, one thing, you want treasure in heaven? <laughs> the one who can give you treasure in heaven is speaking to you, Jesus is saying. Still one thing you haven't done, sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. See, if he hadn't have said that, you know, we might have we said, Okay, I mean, you know, sell everything, give everything away, and go your way. But, but, and they have treasure in heaven, but, but, but go your way. But he didn't leave it at that. He said, now come and follow me. And verse 23, but when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. Jesus saw this. He said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, then who in the world can be saved? <laughs> okay, you just made it impossible for anybody to be saved. But Peter said, we've left our homes to follow you. Yeah, Peter left everything. His business, his homes, everything, his family, well, his mother-in-law. By the way, I saw Peter's mother-in-law, uh, mother-in-law's mother house in Capernaum. I saw the house. The foundation is still there. Crazy. Peter's mother-in-law's house. Right there. With a big old thing over it, like a sanctuary kind of a thing. Anyway, Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who has given up house, wife, brothers, parents, children, for the sake of the kingdom, not just because you don't like them. I'm through with you. Uh, no. But for the sake of the kingdom, will be repaid. How many times? Many times. How? In this life, and we'll have eternal life in the world to come. You don't have to do all that to receive eternal life. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that those who are willing to sacrifice those things as they're called to by God will receive them here and in the kingdom to come. See, the rich man wanted to hold on to his treasure here and therefore lost that which is to come. Ah, yeah. And so a friend of mine is talking to me about this Bible study that he has. Just told me today. And he says, all these, these businessmen, Christian businessmen who are, who are sold out, and who are living for the kingdom. And he's saying, you know what? None of us are making what we used to make. And, I mean, we're, get, we're getting it done. But he goes, it's not like it used to. Because he said, as a group, we've decided to, to build the kingdom and totally surrender everything for, for God. You know what he said to me? 
And this guy's a CEO. He's a mover and a shaker. He, 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 but he's a Christian man, and he gets things done. I mean, he does. He, he, he's just one of those guys. You know, he just has that kind of mentality. And he said to me, he said that, um, He recognized that even though he was a Christian in his life, he said, I always had to be in control. He goes, I would call on God when I needed him. Other than that, I was making the decisions. I was calling the shots. I was in control. And he said, and, and, and there was a scripture verse that, that, that stirred his heart where it says in Revelation, Jesus speaking said, I wish that you were hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. And he said he heard that scripture recently, maybe like a year and a half ago, and it just gripped his heart. And he goes, man, I'm lukewarm. And and he began to even question if he was even a Christian. Not question God, but God, am I even, man, man, I'm a control freak, God. And he goes, every time I meet with people, I always have an agenda. Every time. It's never just meet to meet. There's always an agenda. And, and he had this revelation, and he surrendered it all to God. And you know what happened? Take a guess. Huh? Yeah, he multiplied it. He multiplied pain. He multiplied hardship. He multiplied difficulty. I mean, this man's life was turned, his family's life was turned upside down. And he saw God do the miraculous. And God put him in situations where he absolutely had no control and did not know what to do. That's what he said. And maybe that's kind of what the Lord's trying to get at with this guy here. Maybe this young guy who was rich was just used to being in control, used to calling all the shots. Jesus was saying, lay all of that down. You'll have true treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Yeah, don't even keep the money. Sell everything and give it away to the poor. Come on now, if I'm a control freak, I might sell everything, but I'm not giving it all away. Ah, does that speak to you? That's hard. That's why the road is narrow. The road to discipleship is narrow. And there aren't many on it. Right? Zoe. He who has the son has life. Zoe. Not just liver function, kidney function, brain function, but abundant life. The life that is birthed from God the Father is manifested through the Son, Jesus, and is available to you and maintained by Him. Life. That life. So, um, I wanted to, Wednesday night, you guys get it fresh fresh out of the oven. I want to share with you that I'm sure most of you know that uh, Coach Harkanian died this morning. Yes, yes, he was in the hospital. Um... Monday, he almost, they thought they lost him on Monday. He's a fighter. He wasn't giving up easy. And so he he gave, he's already lived beyond the year or so that they already gave him. So any day that he had was a bonus day. 
And so uh, he um, was surrounded by friends and family. And uh, uh, he passed away. And, and it was, you know, his life came to an end, but his legacy never will. But not only that, I, I, about a year, almost two years ago, um, he was in the hospital. Uh, he had had, a, had, you know, between strokes and heart attacks and, and infections. And God just put it in my heart to say, man, you got to get with him. And I did. I spent a lot of time with him because I have, as a former ball player, you know, I, ha I, just, I just have, that's an open door in my life. Um, it's not I'm being special. It's just an open door. And, and I, and I, but the, th the thing about Coach is that you can't talk to him in a crowd because there's too many people clamoring, autographs. Hey, Coach. Hey, Turk, you're the man. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right. I would see him and go, and keep right on walking, you know, because it doesn't make any sense. I might give him a high five or something like that because there's just people all over him everywhere he goes. But, um, you know, his son, Danny, is a, is a follower of Christ and, 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 and his family. And so um, we arranged it so that I could go over to the house and spend time with him and speak Jesus with him. And we had a lot of God talks because, I, because I mean, I knew at some point he may not have brain function or he may not be able to talk. And I wanted to, I wanted, I felt led of God to spend time with him when he was still with us, you know. And it's funny that Saturday, if you're a basketball fan, and to give the analogy, but Dean Smith, North Carolina coach who was an absolute legend uh, along the lines of Coach Tarkanian, you know, Dean, uh, I mean, all you need to know about Dean Smith is, is Michael Jordan played for him in college. That's all you need to know, okay. But he died on Saturday. And when I heard that, I just went, man, I need to, I need to call Coach and just see how he's doing. And, and you know, you know, one thing leads to another. I got to get ready for, you know, I don't, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday evening, my son says, Coach Tarkanian's in the hospital. I'm on the phone with Danny. Dan, what's up, man? Right away. So, um, spent some time there yesterday. Spent some time there this morning. And uh, I, I would, I, I, I had the honor of, of explaining to his family that in, in our discussions, and we had a lot of them, not hundreds, but we had a lot of God talks. Because, you know, when you have a stroke or you can, and, you, and you're looking at death, death is staring you in the face, you all of a sudden get real interested in God. Most people want to know a little bit more about this journey I'm about to go on. And so we had some good talks and some good times and. um there was one particular time where, where you know, uh, because coach is such that, that when he don't want to talk, when he don't want to talk about something, he'll just tell you, I don't want to talk about that. You'd be like, okay, don't keep talking about it. <laughs> and I kind of kept thinking, man, I don't know how much to push here, but I'd rather push and have him say that than not push and not know. So I just kept pushing and just say, okay, well, what about this? And what about faith? And what about God? And what about Jesus? And we had some, and he never said, don't, and we just kept on talking. So, you know, there was, I said, well, coach, man, here's what it is. Here's what it means to be, have life in Christ. And with your permission, I'd like to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus. And he did. He did. He did. He did. Yeah. So, and you know, just he and I were there. It wasn't, wasn't some you know, it wasn't a, a light that shone in the, in, it wasn't, you know, just he and I. And, um, and, and so being there 
and knowing that he was passing away and it was just a matter of time, um, I had that assurance that um, he had received Christ in his heart and asked Jesus to forgive him. And I mean, it was like, okay, do you understand? Do you understand what you just, yeah, yeah, I understand. Are you sure? You know, I was like, are you sure? Come on, man. You're not just doing it because it's me, are you? I'm like, I'm like, the Lord's probably going, just move on with it, man. You know, I was like, really? Uh, okay. I said, well, what we need to do next is get you baptized. He went, oh, wait a minute now. I said, okay, I want to push too much now. You know, so it's a blessing. He who has the son has life. And when you breathe your last breath, wins, losses don't matter. How successful you were or not, how unsuccessful you were, that doesn't matter either. The only thing that matters is faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. And we thank you for this day. Thank you for fullness of life that can only come through, through Jesus. Lord, um, a special prayer request. Uh, would you all stand with me as, as we lift this, this prayer request up? And um, I'd like you to, not trying to be religious, but if you would just kind of raise your right hand. This is kind of like you're testifying in agreement. It's just symbolic, right? I mean, it doesn't, doesn't mean a thing, but, but Lord Jesus, we just lift up our brother Ricky to you. And, and he is a man that is heavy on our hearts. And Lord, you, we're asking, would you please visit him and lay your healing hand upon that infection? Lord, you are better than any MRI, CAT scan, better than any scope, probe, any doctor with experience. We appreciate all that technology. It's awesome. You are the good physician. You're able to heal. We agree together this evening that you will touch that man, bring healing on his body. In the name of Jesus, visit him powerfully. And we thank you for what you are going to do. Lord, we're not, we can't twist your arm into healing, but we can ask. Just like a child that would ask mommy and daddy, daddy, please, come on, dad. We're asking because we know you can. And we have faith to believe that you can heal him on up in a minute. And Lord, that you would give strength to Miss Melba, the family, and Hope House, all the guys. Draw them together. Pull them together, oh God. And Lord, we, um, we thank you for the life that we have in Christ Jesus. Lord, we didn't figure it all out. But you called us and drew us to yourself. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen and Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.